The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today by my colleague, Anthony Laracuti. Good to see you this morning. Nice to be here. It's good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm really excited for us to talk about relationships and how to improve relationships. I know as a marriage and family therapist, you have a lot of information to share. Mm -hmm. So will you just share with the audience how you got into the field of marriage and family therapy? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had such a passion for this for a very long time. I mean, in fact, at the age of 16, it's when it just kind of hit me how much of a good listener I can be for others. And that gift, how that shines to other people. I could be listening to people about their issues, specifically relationship issues. And what got to me the most was just seeing just the smiles on their faces after them just being heard. Whether or not I gave them advice, that's up to them. What they'd like to do with it, that's up to them. But what got to me the most was seeing them feel relieved after I was just listening to them. So that was part one. But part two with that is just being so empathic, almost to like a hyper level of empathy towards my own family system and wanting to just be there to help. And so that was my driving force for wanting to be a marriage and family therapist. And so turning that to years down the road, after being in school for some time, looking more into psychology, understanding people on a deeper level, thoughts, feelings, all that psychology stuff, you know, that's where I got into the point where like, okay, like I want to be a therapist. I want to help relationships, especially. So that's what brought me to today. Well, I'm so glad that you got into this field. You have such great rapport with your clients. And I know that they do feel heard. I I like what you said there a minute ago, because I think that is really kind of the nuts and bolts of therapy is just sitting with someone who actually sees and hears us. Mm-hmm. And and so much of that is lost in today's society. So many people are speaking loudly. They want to be heard, but are they really being heard? And so I, yeah. I love that you said that, like that that is your driving passion is just to really hear and see people. Oh, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, when people come to therapy, they need a space to talk and to be heard. If they're not going to be heard, I mean, how can therapy continue? How can it really take off? Mm-hmm. So I'm all about, first and foremost, giving them the space for them to have a listening ear, I mean. Absolutely. Well, great. And so let's talk today about relationships, how we can improve our relationships. Maybe we'll talk about how we can be intentional in improving the relationships. And I know mm-hmm. today we're going to talk about intimate relationships with couples and also friendships. Mm, absolutely. So maybe we'll start with the couples relationships, looking at it from that perspective. Surely relationships come and go. Yep. So share a little bit with the audience, maybe just some of your initial thoughts about how couples can improve relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just at a base level, I mean, every single one of us can be impacted by relationships, right? I mean, even when we're born, we're born to a set of potential relationships in our family. And then from there, that will be the driving force to set up 
how relationships are, can be, or how we want them to be in the future. And that certainly can impact how we make relationships with friends or even intimately speaking with your in a couple relationship. So I believe that any relationship that we are met with or have had in the past really does make an impact, whether positive or negative. Even the lack thereof relationships really makes an impact as well. But moving into the intimate relationship side of things, I've met with a number of couples already. There's usually three defining important characteristics that brings them in for work. And I I would call it the three pillars of connection. Without communication in a relationship, whether it's intimate or any relationship, where can this relationship even go? Without communication, how can we properly understand one another? And that's definitely number one. Number two is trust. Trust is very, very important. If you can't trust another human in your relationship, how close can you really be? You're going to be questioning a lot of things about one another. Certainly safety is going to be a factor. And then lastly, the last thing that brings any couple into therapy is intimacy. That's honestly one of the most defining moments of any couple that come in and it's usually that's the thing is intimacy and without intimacy what sets the couple apart from any other relationship Uh, and so that is really a defining moment for people to realize hey our intimacy is not doing well and we need to get that back on track If, if a couple can be intimate that will set them apart that will make them feel extremely close and comfortable with each other and that'll make them feel that they can work together that say like, hey, we are an item. We are a marital relationship. We're a couple. That's going to set us apart from anyone's relationship, whether it's a roommate, friend, family. It's got to be different. So far, I'm hearing you say the three pillars of connection, trust, communication, mm-hmm. and intimacy. So I know in my clinical work or in my therapy room, a lot of times couples have had issues that have obliterated trust. Mm-hmm. And their number one question is, how do we even start rebuilding trust with one another? So what would you mm-hmm. say to the audience about how they can rebuild trust with a spouse, a partner, whomever they're in relationship with? Mm, yeah, it's a really good question. First, I'd like to go back to the baseline. Like, what brought you guys as a couple in the first place? Like, what was what was the birth of this relationship? You know, what brought you two together in the first place? So sometimes I like to help them get back to that place to remind themselves what's the meaning behind you too as a couple. Sometimes that will help get them back to a place of positivity and to be like, hey, there's meaning to this. It wasn't like we just got together and just did our thing. Like there's something deeper there. But also too, with trust, I think comes a level of forgiveness. Mm. So openness to each other, openness and humility to like what they can take responsibility for in the relationship, maybe where things went wrong. And then opening that up to thinking, hey, like who needs to reach a level of forgiveness? Because without forgiveness, there's just a whole lot of resentment and that will become a barrier for trust. Uh, Absolutely. So if we can get to that next level of like, okay, figure out the meaning of this relationship. What brought you guys together in the first place? Now, what were some of the issues that created barriers? Let's see how we can reach a level of forgiveness so that we can reset and move you guys along. Because at the end of the day, in a couple's relationship, they're teammates, right? Two partners are teammates, not enemies. Mm. And a lot of times, in those moments, they could feel a lot like enemies during certain issues. And my job is to get them back to feeling like they're teammates all over again. I say that a lot to my couples that I work with also. Yeah. He, she is not your enemy, right? They're your, they're your partner in this. You've intentionally chosen each other as partners. Yeah. And a partnership cannot be in the same space an enemy. So that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. 
So then when I'm thinking about communication, this other pillar you mentioned, what can you share with the audience, some of your best suggestions for how to improve communication in the relationship? Yeah, very great question. A lot of times in communication, one person can say one thing and then the other person could take it either the way the person mentioned it or take it a whole different level. And so that alone will go into a back and forth spiral. And so what I like to say about communication to get them back to on the right track is it's not about being right or wrong. It's like, who said this? Who said that? I said it this way, so that should be okay or that should be right, but I didn't hear it that way. A lot of times, do you see that disconnect? My philosophy is not about being right or wrong. The problem isn't the problem, the feeling is the focus. And so I wanna put that back into communication where like, hey, how are you feeling based on what I said? Well, I didn't feel very good about that. I kind of felt hurt. Okay, well, how can I help you through the hurt? So now it's more of the feeling is the focus and the communication because a lot of times it's just about, well, I said this, I said that, but it doesn't really go anywhere. The feeling is the focus for the communication work. That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like you're saying, we put the focus on the actual words that were said, but the really the focus, it sounds like, should be on the feeling mm-hmm. and validating that person's feeling about what was spoken. Yeah, exactly, because that's always how I've operated, or at least that's how I've come to grow, even in my own life, even in my own relationship with my wife. And I really see the value and the power of validation in communication, because if our feelings can be validated, that'll help us to move forward towards problem solving, solution-focused thinking, because the feeling just needs to be nurtured. And without that nurturing, it's gonna be hard for anyone to move forward. And so intimacy is the third pillar of connection. I mm-hmm. heard you mention that earlier. What can you share with the audience? Maybe a tip or two on how they can create or foster stronger intimacy with their partner. Yeah, so I mean, intimacy is is a very key component for a reason. Like I said before, it really helps to separate, makes the couple's relationship so unique and defining. And what I like to do is really reintroduce or introduce, depending on who knows this or not, the concept of love languages. Mm. So I find that speaking the love languages really brings about that intimacy all over again. And because a lot of times what is the driver for intimacy is love. Without love, how can intimacy stay alive or come alive? So I really value the concept of the love languages because I think people can get lost in what that really means, not just for themselves, but for the other person and to speak that. The love languages are pretty basic. It's just there's five of them and I try to teach up on that. So what's your love language? And if some couples do know it because they've read the book before or have taken the quiz and some don't, but the five would be touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And usually when they can get to that level with a couple where like they understand each other through the love languages, hey, what is it? What is your love language? How can I speak that to you? Generally just goes a whole lot different in such a better way where they're like, he spoke my love language and I feel really close and vice versa. Because the whole concept behind that is, hey, I'm loving you. Why aren't you responding in the way that I'm expecting you to respond? And the other person's like, yeah, but you, you may be speaking that love language, but I don't feel love. And that goes back to the whole feeling thing. The feeling is the focus, mm-hmm. right? And so if we use that as the focus and regroup and figure out each other's love languages, the other person can be like, oh, that's your love language. Let me speak that to you because I care and love you enough to make our relationship more intimate. Now, I heard you mention a book called The Five Love Languages. 
Yes. Is that the one you're referencing? Yes, that's right. Who is the author so our listeners know how to find it? It's by Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman, The Five mm-hmm. Love Languages. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like a really interesting book. And it and I think I understand it lays out five different love languages. And that's maybe right. what you're doing in your couple's work is helping couples to understand you have to love each other the way the other person receives love. Because I think a lot of times we give love the way we want to receive it, not knowing that our partner actually has a different love language. Right. Isn't that part of the quiz in the book, too, I think, as you yeah. take the quiz? Right, exactly. And I direct my couples a lot of times to do an online quiz. It's free. Mm-hmm. You could just take the assessment um, and they will help figure out for themselves and for each other, like what the results of their love languages really are. And it really points them to like a more of a hierarchical situation where it's like, this is your top love language and then so on and so forth. And where can the listeners find that free quiz on love languages? Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. I, I just Google the five love languages quiz and it's usually the first in the top on Google. Let's talk for a minute about spirituality as a strong component in long lasting relationships. Very important. I think we have a lot of our parts of ourselves as far as health. I mean, we talk a lot about our physical health, emotional health, mental health, social health even, but a lot of times we don't think about our spiritual health and that can really balance well even in a couple's relationship. I find that when two partners in a couple's relationship really share the same kind of spiritual health or spirituality, I think that could really help them feel more balanced and help them to even work together towards a common goal towards fulfillment. And so I think about the concept of spirituality in a relationship, especially I like to think of a scripture that references being unequally yoked. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? And we're talking about like, what do you mean by yoked? Two oxen driving a yoke as they're plowing a field. If one ox is smaller or shorter than the other ox who is taller or bigger, well, that bigger, taller ox, as driving this yoke down a field the other ox is going to be left behind or there's it's just not going to be able to be as effective as if two ox are of the same caliber more balance and so i point that back into even the spirituality and relationship if both the people are of the same kind of caliber in their spirituality and their goals and their fulfillment they're both going to be like those two ox who can just drive the force plowed through that field, no problem, with much praise and and much peace and satisfaction. You're listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, and we are talking today about how to improve your relationship. So we've been talking a lot about couples relationships or relationship from the framework of a couple. Let's shift gears here and talk about friendships. Mm -hmm. What are some things you might share with the listeners about how to improve friendships? Well, with friendships, friendships can come and go right or they can stay around that's kind of the whole premise when we think about the course of our lives is there have been plenty of friendships that can just come and they can enter your lives and they can be good for a time but and then they just go and you won't even realize it or maybe you do realize it and you kind of wonder why but then you have some of those friends who are like just super strong bond and you're able to stay around even if you have lost touch for a little bit, you can come back, pick back up where you left off, no problem. It was like a recent episode from this NPR Life Kit podcast that I talked about 
the three pillars of friendship. And then without any one of these three would make a friendship not last. Those three pillars, that's positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. If you're thinking about those three, to me, what stood out was like, yes, without any one of those three, I don't see how these any friendship could last. I've tried to apply that to my own life and my own relationships and friendships. And I'm like, yeah, these would be super important to me. And hopefully to anyone else as well. I mean, some people may not be thinking about those three, but take a look back over those three and speak for yourself about it. Are these really important to you? And if so, how are these important? Does this really make a friendship last? Yeah, positivity, consistency, and vulnerability, each Mm -hmm. being pillars of a friendship Mm -hmm. and having healthy connection. I a lot of times think of friends come in seasons, Mm -hmm. at least reflecting back over the course of my life, how I've had some friends that have been longstanding for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And then other times I've had friendships that were really vibrant and healthy just during a certain season of my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was extra vulnerable during that season, or we were more consistent with our connectivity during that season. Right. So would you say that maybe friendships come and go? Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't mean that if they were gone, that it just they, they didn't do anything for you in your mm-hmm. life. I think friends come and go, but at the end of the day, they've served a purpose. For me, especially for me, I think about all the friends I've made in my own life, even in my career so far, I look back, I'm like, yeah, every single one of them, I would say, had a purpose in my life and they've helped me and I've been able to help them. Even if it didn't work out today, I think it's just important to recognize, take away from like what went wrong, why didn't this work out to what did this friendship do for me? What did I gain from my experiences with them? I think those are the better questions to ask rather than going down the negative path with that. Mm. I think also boundaries are really important Mm. in any relationship, but Mm -hmm. since we're talking about friendships, what are some thoughts about having healthy boundaries within a friendship? Yeah, boundaries, it's, it, it can be such a complicated thing. You know, for one thing, people don't really know what it means to set boundaries. And for other people, they may have come to learn it so much so that it can really make a difference in any relationship. So, I mean, boundaries, whether with friendships, intimate relationships, any relationships, I think boundaries are really important to set because at the end of the day, you, the person, has to be taken care of. And if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of others? So that's why I think it's such a good example to be able to develop and build boundaries. Now, one of the things is, where do I go to make a boundary? Right, how do I even start? And I think it's just about, first of all, reflecting on the moments where you feel like something's off or maybe imbalanced. If we're going back to the spirit of balance in a relationship, mm-hmm. like where is that imbalance? And from there, you can start to figure out, well, maybe I just, this is where I need to draw the line in the sand is because if I go over that line, I could be losing a lot of myself or the friend could be losing a lot of themselves too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the first step, I think. And from there, I think that experience will tell you alone what kind of boundaries you need to set for yourself and for your friend. I think boundary work is such an integral part of Mm -hmm. therapy. A lot of people don't learn boundaries as children Mm -hmm. and maybe in their family of origin, there wasn't strong boundary work to be done. And so they grow up as adults or and have friendships or intimate relationships and they, they totally lack boundaries. And then somebody ends up feeling taken advantage of or mm-hmm. run over, like we were th- talking about the ox, you know, someone's yeah. imbalanced. And then that just 
completely disrupts a relationship is when there are not healthy boundaries. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love talking to clients and, and people about boundary work. And I think boundaries are very loving, actually. People yeah. sometimes misconstrue the idea of saying no to something as, oh, I'm mean, I'm being rude because I'm telling someone no. But actually saying no is very loving if it's necessary because mm-hmm. then that person is getting the most of you. You're not sacrificing your needs and wants and then everybody's happy or healthier actually yeah exactly and i love that concept saying no in a loving way i think a lot of times people can think it's like black or white if i say no this is gonna this is gonna hurt the other person Mm. and i mean it may hurt the other person but you could also say no in a way it's like i'm saying this because i care about you care about me and i care about us as friends Mm. so that we can try to keep this friendship alive again going back to positivity it's like i'm saying this so that we can have a positive outcome for the future and not negative because if it's going to be negative moving forward if i don't make this boundary this can continue to be a negative experience and therefore the friendship will die exactly right and it it makes me think about those friends that have come and gone and Mm -hmm. maybe reflecting on where there was not a boundary set back then and how we can improve in the future and with future relationships. Exactly. These have been really helpful tips so far. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience about how to improve or sustain healthy friendships or intimate relationships? Great question. I think it all boils down to whatever the relationship is. If you're in an intimate relationship, if it's just a friendship, I mean, even other relationships like family, work, anything like that, what it all really boils down to to keep relationships improving is really just take the time to not only consider yourself but the other person in the relationship if we focus on just one over the other it's going to create an imbalance and then we don't know how long this relationship's going to last and if we're going to think about long lasting relationships we've got to go back to baseline figure out what it is that you're looking for what's the other person looking for and if those things don't align that's okay the relationships are for a time and then that's it you gotta move forward and figure out who to go to next to build that long-lasting relationship thank you for sharing your wisdom on this anthony and if you want to continue this conversation with anthony you can find him in our carry location mm-hmm. on our website www.1-80counseling.com thanks anthony thank you so much You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.